And I'm Emily Luking, and welcome to the Hungry Artists Podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, me too. So, Emily, how has your couple weeks been? Um, they've been good. I've been working on a sculpture, and I've been costuming for a community theater show. What theater? Um, Heritage Players. It's in Keensville. So, oh, very cool. Um, yeah, we're doing Steel Magnolias. It's actually, it's like pretty simple stuff. There's six women, something like that. And they just need like classic 80s Southern clothing. So Mm, that sounds exciting. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go thrift shopping tomorrow with some of the cast and uh, I think it'll be good. Cool. That sounds great. So what are you up to? Well, I've had actually lots of news come in this week. So I mentioned last time that I applied to the Shakespeare Theater Company and I applied to two cattle calls. So one was the Straw Hat auditions. I didn't get that one, um, but I get some money back, which is nice. And the New England Theater Conference, which I did get an, an audition slot, they were full up on musical auditions, singing auditions, so I will be doing an acting-only audition, which is kind of a double-edged sword because I like, I feel like I need to force myself to do singing auditions because I'm insecure about my singing, so I need to, like, I'm never going to be secure if I just be like, oh, well, I don't know how to sing, you know? Mm-hmm. But it does make my life easier. I just have two monologues, I think, or the one monologue. So, yeah, so that'll be coming up in March, and... Last Thursday, I was helping run auditions for Reasons to be Pretty at the Green Globe Theater, which I'm a company member of. And during a lull, people were like, Ellie, why aren't you auditioning? And I was like, you know, that's a really good question. So I auditioned because, like a good actress, I have a monologue in my back pocket that happened to be perfect for this show. Convenient. And then I got called back. I went to callbacks on Monday. And I was offered a role. So I will be playing Steph in Reasons to be Pretty at the Green Globe Theater. Congrats. So come see that. When's that on? That will be last weekend in March, first two weekends in April. Okay. So yeah, um, and then I got an extra in a movie. It's like a super low-budget movie but that's exciting though that is exciting um that's coming up next weekend it doesn't feel official because i haven't gotten my call sheets for it for it so it's like unless i have a place and a time then it's like am i actually cast yeah so that should be exciting and then just more apprenticeship auditions coming up cool so the extra thing how do you like do you know how big of a crowd is it like Will you have, um, like, a single line, like, here's your coffee, like, what, do you know what it is yet? I don't know. I know that I, I know what I applied for, and it seemed like they needed a kind of a big group, okay. but when they called me, they were just like, hey, so you applied for humanity, can you still do it on these dates? And I was like, yes, yes, of course, of course I can be there, I can always be there, yes, I'm your man. Mm-hmm. Um so because I haven't gotten the call sheet, I haven't gotten a script or anything, it'll probably just be standing around. Yeah. Which is fine. That's, yeah. Um, and You're hopefully I'll get some food. Hey, right? <laughs> um, I believe not because okay. it's super low budget. Right. So I probably will not be paid. Well, maybe it'll turn into a pay job. I know that things like that, sometimes like money will come up in the end and then they'll end up paying people that they said they wouldn't pay. So. Oh, totally. Not, that totally happens yeah. if they get more funding than they than they thought they would, or you know, they did get all the funding that they thought they would. So now that they can now they can do things. Who knows? Or mm-hmm. maybe they see me in the crowd and they need they like end up giving me lines, and then I yeah, it, it could you know you never know. Anything can happen, right? But like our guest this week mentioned, sometimes you do got to do the free stuff for a while. Yeah. Build up your resume, make connections. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, our guest, um, I was very excited to talk to her. Um, she's So she's a second cousin of mine. She's my mom's cousin, but I 
I really don't know her or didn't know her that well. Um, I just knew that she was living in Brooklyn and she was an artist. And I had no idea the scope of, like, all the jobs that she's done. She's done so much. Yeah, she's really done a lot. And she's um, doing some cool stuff now. Yeah, so I was really excited to talk to her. That whole side of my family is super artistic. So um, getting getting to hear about, like, how they grew, how she, I mean, she didn't talk about it a ton, but it was so nice to hear that she felt like her family was a big part of that, because I feel the same way, too. Yeah, I think a lot of, there are definitely artists who don't have supportive families, and that always mm-hmm. sucks, but I think, I know I've felt really lucky to have the supportive family I have, and it's really made a difference. My life would be so much harder without the support of my family. Yeah, for sure. So before we get into our guest, I I wanted to talk a little bit more about um, the webinars, right? Yes. So I have been taking, I've taken two so far. They've been little online classes slash lectures, and they've been free to register. They're by the guy who's running them. His name is Brainerd Carey, and he runs something called the Praxton School. Yeah, he's in Brooklyn, and he runs a gallery, and he also runs, like, an online school. So, basically, these webinars are free because at the very end, like, you've sat through the whole thing, and you're ready for him to answer some questions, but then he starts to sell you, like, classes that you actually had to buy. So, like, that part was, like, a little bit annoying, but I get it. Like, this is... to be expected. Yeah, and this is part of his income, and that's why it was free, because he was advertising himself at the end. But they were super informative. If you, like, have money to drop on those classes, I actually would recommend it. It sounds like a pretty good idea. He's he's a smart guy. He's also incredibly compassionate, and he knows how important it is to find a way to get paid for your work. So I took – the webinars I took were about how to get your work into museums, how to get them into galleries, how to write a good artist statement or bio – how to get funding for your work from mm. um, from local sponsors, corporate sponsors, and uh, foundations slash just super rich individuals. So I learned a lot of things that I would have never thought of on my own. And it's kind of, from from what I can tell, like maybe I haven't done enough research, but that kind of stuff isn't just something you can Google. Like, you can't just Google, like, oh, how do I get my work into galleries? Yeah, it's and not I feel like helpful. that practical stuff isn't always things you actually learn in school. Yes. Um, I know at Towson we had a senior acting seminar where we talked about, like, resumes, and our professor actually, like, critiqued our resumes and things. And we mm-hmm. even talked about filing your taxes as an independent contractor. And that was really cool. But there's still – there's always so much more. And yes. there's only so much, so much you can cover in a class. Right. You know? Yeah. And I, cause I, SCAD prepared me with like the bio stuff and the artist statement and how to like cold call somebody or cold email somebody. And that was all good stuff. But I still didn't know like the specifics of how to get my work bought by other people. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of your job. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what, what you do. do. So, yeah. Yeah. So I learned a lot. Now, do you think that people who are not visual artists could still, but are still artists, could still get stuff from these webinars? Or do you think that it was still, it was very tailored to visual artists? I think it's very tailored to visual artists. And I mean, visual artists, that's still pretty broad. Like if if you're into like performing arts and not like theater, I'm talking like Marina Abramovic performing artist, Mm -hmm. like performing artist all the way to public art and anywhere in between sculpture, fiber, paint, whatever. Um, they're going to be helpful. The website that I've been getting all of these webinars and information is yourartmentor.com. So it's Brainard Carey who runs the Praxis Center for Aesthetic Studies. And you should check it out if you're a visual artist and you're a little confused about what to do next. That sounds great. And I will put in a quick plug. The Green Globe Theater Company that I have talked about a bit is celebrating its first year 
which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And we will be having a party on March 1st at the Y Art Gallery on Gough Street in Baltimore. Tickets are $35. There will be free food, open bar, live entertainment, and lots of other stuff. And we will be announcing our next season, which is super exciting. So come out. It should be a really fun, swanky night. Yeah, open bar for 35 and food and mm -hmm. entertainment. That sounds... You should go even if you know nothing about theater. Oh, totally. Yeah, just make a come time. and eat our food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we're ready. So welcome our guest, Julia Kakuza. Mm -hmm. I haven't used this in a while, uh, but I, th I think it's good. So, all right, cool. All right, sounds good. So uh, let's get this started. So for our guests, just tell us like who you are, what you do. We, we want to get a feel for you, your artistic journey, your career now, all of it. So just, okay. uh, yeah, just tell us who you are. Okay. Um, well, my name is Julia Kokuza. I am uh, born and raised in Reading, Pennsylvania. I now live in Brooklyn, New York. I'm a painter, muralist designer, uh, printmaker occasionally, uh, teacher as well, among other things. Um, I went to, I don't know how much you want to hear of like my resume, but. <laughs> I mean, we, we want to hear about like all of the experiences that you did that matter to you and helped shape your, help, helped shape your artistic journey. So. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess what influenced me the most uh, it's probably where I'm from, just growing up in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. And uh, certainly, I mean, yeah, earlier influences, certainly just hip-hop, city life, um, just diversity. That's mad corny, but <laughs> just like, you know, everything around me, being surrounded by artists growing up. Um, one of the things that probably influenced me the most when I was younger is public art and just seeing all the great murals in Philadelphia and things like that. And that's probably what shaped me to go the direction that I'm going now as far as pursuing more, you know, public works, um, you know, uh, community murals and street art projects and things of that nature. How do you get to do murals? Like, do you have to get permission to do a big piece of art on the side of a building? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not uh, to do a, a legal piece. Uh, you definitely need permission from the person who has the wall. Um, a lot of times, I mean, you really want permission from the community, depending on, on what you're doing, you know. Um, most of my mural experience, I mean, I'll admit, like, I've been an artist for, you know, postgraduate 14 years or whatever it is at this point. Um, I went to Syracuse for my BFA, uh, upstate New York, and I recently got an MFA at Brooklyn College. But I've been in New York City 14 years as an artist, designer, this and that. Uh, but I probably only really started pursuing public art probably like 2012, finally. I kind of was like slow to get to it. Uh, but I did an apprenticeship with uh, Philadelphia Mural Arts Program and kind of just started assisting on, on things like that. So I think it's um, not just, I mean, you know, getting my art up in public by any means is important, but also just the community engagement aspect of it is, uh, you know, interesting to me uh, for sure. So, you know, with Philly, did some, you know, I still do things once in a while when I can. And then in New York, I work for Groundswell, which is a community mural organization, pretty big. And they, you know, have a very like, you know, art as a weapon for change sort of, you know, model, which I'm definitely down with. So, you know, I do things with them. And when I can, I do, you know, side gigs, you know, uh, street art projects when I can. Um, and I'm really trying to look to do more of that in the future. Mm -hmm. So with your with your work in New York, uh, tell us the name of the company again. The mural arts? Uh, Groundswell. Groundswell. Okay. So, so yeah, Groundswell. So that's G-R-O-U-N-D-S-W-E-L-L. -L, okay. Groundswell. Okay. So with Groundswell, are you like one of the artists that's painting or do you help plan or are you like an arts administrator? Like what's your role there? Yeah. So, so my role there is technically a teaching artist. So all the artists there, it's not like, you know, you get hired to just make a painting look good somewhere, you know? It's more like, you know, you work with a, a cohort, a, a community of usually like youth or students of some sort, um, as well as like community partners and, and the whole rest of it. 
our role is to, you know, work with whatever that group is, um, you know, come up with the concept, kind of get the concept out of them, have them generate, you know, a decent amount of the content, kind of synthesize that all together, you know, put that into a design, get that approved, and then you, you know, fabricate the mural itself. But, um, but I don't really deal with, um, like, we have a project manager. There's an organization that handles, you know, certain logistical things, uh, which is nice. You know, and they also work, you know, they partner with different organizations, schools. Uh, right now, I'm doing a project with Rikers Island, the prison, uh, which is, you know, pre- pretty crazy, pretty intense. You know, really, you know, valuable work, uh, you know, emotional work, you know, but, uh, but it's cool. So they facilitate all of that. We just have to, you know, we're kind of like the infantry. We just kind of go in and make it happen, you know, where we're, you know, where the project's at. So Cool. So so you're basically like going into a prison with a team of artists and putting something nice on their walls? Yeah. So, well, with this particular project, I'm kind of right in the middle of it, which is why I bring it up. But it's me and one other artist. Uh, so we're basically like co-lead artists. We're both kind of equally responsible for making uh, the project happen. And, you know, it's usually a team of artists, which is nice because it's kind of, you know, a lot to to pull off on your own. Uh, and then we work with, you know, it's a group of guys at, a you know, GMDC that we're at right now. You know, it's maybe like a dozen, you know, between eight and 12 uh, people at a time that, you know, we work with. And what's going to happen is, you know, we're right now we're in the, in the designing phase. And uh, once that's approved, once we finish that and get that all finalized, get it approved, presumably, uh, we shouldn't be too hard. You know, once we do that, then we, you know, prime the wall and we, you know, draw it all out, you know, uh, but we work with the community, the, the the guys there to actually execute every step of it. So it's cool. I mean, it's a cool experience for them. Um, it's definitely important work. I mean, it's a, you know, don't get me started on, on records and just prisons in, in this country. And, you know, the fact that it's right there and no one pays any attention to it, you know, it's definitely, you know, a great experience to actually see what's happening over there you know just you know a few feet away from LaGuardia airport is you yeah know, you know, notorious prison is crazy you know but uh yeah it's, it's cool work so that's interesting you know projects like that are definitely uh shake things up and the good thing about you know projects like this is that they're all you know they work they go on for a few months and then I go on I do something else so you know it's definitely better than your average you know nine to five just doing the same thing over and over yeah, lots of uh, variety. Know. I mean, there's consequences of being freelance too, though. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to act like it's perfect, but you know, it has its moments. Um, so how how does one find a job like this? How, like, so you're coming from Reading, and then you you moved to New York and you found this job. Like, tell me about that process. Like, how was it um, finding this job? Oh, sure. Well, I mean. I moved to New York in 2003 after I graduated from Syracuse University and uh, it was a really bad job market. So I had like all sorts of assorted jobs for like 10 years. Right. So I I worked a lot of administrative jobs, to be honest. I mean, just, you know, office life, mad boring. It's really stupid, but you know, it's it's a way to get a job. And uh, so I was working for like an artist rep, like a, you know, a a commercial artist sort of rep who handles, you know, designers and illustrators and stuff. So, you know, $10 $10 an hour here and then $12 an hour somewhere else doing something else. You know, I was an art handler for a bit. Um, and I started working at a certain point in nightlife, uh, doing graphic design and marketing and things like that. Eventually left that and, and shifted into higher ed. So I was doing like administration uh, stuff for Pratt Institute for a little while and then convinced myself I had to go to grad school to get out of there, you know, to, yeah. to, to shift things around. So I did that. And, you know, also my goal outside of eventually getting into doing public art is also to teach. So grad school is, you know, useful for that much, at least, you know, it's a, it's a good experience. And, you know, having a master's degree helps. Uh, it's pretty necessary for, you know, teaching on the college level, which I do as well as an adjunct at a couple different schools. So. And what did you get your master's degree in? Well, I got it in uh, Master of Fine Arts at, uh, excuse me, Master's of Fine Arts at Brooklyn College, which is Part of, you know, City City University of New York is a big uh big big place, you know what I mean? But but it's cool. And I actually I still I still work there administratively as well as I teach there uh, from time to time as well. Have you always wanted to be a teacher? Yeah, I mean I feel like it I wouldn't say this like, you know, my only you know, number one passion by any means, but I feel like it, I was always like decently suited for it. Like yes and no. I don't know. I feel like it, it 
it matches my personality. Yeah. It also makes me, uh, I don't know, it just forces me to be a better public speaker, which I think is like everyone's greatest fear is public speaking. And somehow I, it, it was kind of a way to just like get the hell over that. Um, but um, I don't know. I think I'm decently suited for it, uh, just personality wise. And honestly, it always just seemed like a good compliment to being an artist, you know, to have like, you know, to work for a college. I don't know, it just always sounded like something I want to do. And then, you know, it, it seemed like a good sort of thing to have on the side. You know, I mean, it doesn't pay as well as some people probably think, but, you know, it, it is a good sort of flexible, to some extent, uh, job. You know, if you can make it work, you know, school, um, you know, it has its issues, but, you know, it's difficult to find full-time work. You know, for freelancing, you know, it, it, does, its, it does what it can as far as uh, contributing to the general sort of uh, artist, educator, yeah. you know, an expensive yeah, city like thing. Yeah, contributing know. to the community as a whole and being part of, like, a bigger movement of bringing more young artists into the world. I'm, I'm sure that's exciting. So um, if you don't mind me asking, if you're willing to tell us, like, what are some of the downsides of teaching? I mean, downsides of teaching, I mean, it's just, I wouldn't say it's a downside, but it really is performing, man. I mean, you really have to perform. And so it's more exhausting than you think. And, you know, we're all used to being like students and being like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, like, Maybe like school, maybe you don't, but um, it's pretty easy to be like a passive student. I mean, you know, so to like be up there huffing and puffing, trying to, you know, impart something, you know, trying to uh, convince other people that what you're saying is important and whatever. When I was 18, I probably wasn't terribly interested in what people were trying, you know, pleading with me to believe, you know. Uh, so it's it's kind of a hard sell, you know, in some ways. So it can feel like you're underappreciated. It's certainly not valued enough. You know, I mean, I think society knows that this, this stuff is important, but it's certainly financially not valued in the way it, you know, it ought to be. I mean, there's no news there. Um, and, you know, being an adjunct, you know, it's just difficult because a lot of gradings, just a lot of outside work. Those are probably like the and grading is probably like the worst part about it, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> the grading. But, yeah. Um, yeah, the grading It's annoying. Ask anybody, <laughs> ask any teacher, they'll tell you that it just sucks. But you know, you know, it's not so bad. It's just the amount of time and, you know, sort of back work of it. And, you know, sometimes it can be uh, a bit haunting just as far as like, you know, the emotional aspect of it as well. But it's all good. I mean, it's, you know, as long as you can, you know, tolerate that, it's, it's not the worst job, you know. And I think it's just important work, social work. I think social work is important. So it's just another form of that the way I see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've always admired teachers. I always thought they were really important because I have, I have taught before and I found it absolutely, like you said, exhausting and very, very difficult mm -hmm. that I really admire the ones who do it. Totally. Yeah. No, it's a, yeah, it's, it's tough up there. It's lonely up there on that stage. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but it's cool. I mean, you know, it's, it's when it's good is good, you know, when it sucks, you know, it's just like any job, there's going to be good and bad days for it. But, uh, I mean, if you, yeah, as you said, you experienced it. So, you know, it's more of an act up there than you think, you know, it's like an act, but you can't be anything but yourself because they will see through it. They will notice it right away if you try to <laughs> yeah. pull some bullshit, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. So at what age did you know you were creative or decided to have a creative career? I don't know. I guess I always knew I had an interest in just, I don't know, visual problem solving, I guess, or just design, just colors, whatever. Like, I was interested in that stuff. But, to be, you know, to be honest, like, growing up, I was probably more interested in Know, music and you know other other junk sports and you know different other distractions but creative i was probably more interested in music but i would say somewhere around high school is when i was like oh well maybe i should try this you know uh you know my aunt's an artist my mom my mom's an artist there's you know just a lot of art around me yeah um, absolutely I, I was always not bad at it without really trying so it was not until helps. 11th grade um that i you know kind of took art class at reading high and I had uh, Mr. Beitzel, who was very, very influential. Um, he just kind of warmed me up to it. Senior year, I had, uh, you know, Mrs. Danko, who was um, very influential in another way. Like, she was just a little bit more like, you need to work on this shit. Like, you need to step it up. Let's go. You know, and that really kind of pushed me a bit. And really, it was around then that, you know, it was kind of late in the game to be like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go to art school, <laughs> like, real quick. Let me just make some stuff and apply it to an uh, art program at Syracuse. And I also kind of thought I might have just done journalism or communications which you know 
similarly difficult field so i guess it's all good but but yeah i kind of just switched directions you know later in my teens i'd say and then college you know i majored in illustration surrounded by you know lots of other artists uh so tried to blend in there as best as i could you know syracuse was a huge you know influence in my life just the friends that i made more than anything as well as the instructors so have you done much with illustration since well, with illustration i mean the illustration uh definitely you know has everything to do with the murals that that you know that i work on but i'd say after graduation i, I did like you know you gotta understand this is like early 2000s like people still buying cds right so i was like oh i'm gonna illustrate album covers like that's that's a jam that's exactly what i want to do and so, you know, I kind of did that a little bit, but, you know, you can't really make a living off of that exactly, not alone. And, you know, I guess, whatever. I mean, I was just in my 20s. I wasn't, I was doing a little bit of freelance illustration, but I wouldn't say I was like 100% going all out on it. And also like magazine illustration, I did some of that, albums, but all of that was kind of fading out to some extent. And I, I didn't, you know, I wouldn't say that I like adapted to that changing industry that much. It kind of just, became more just doing art for myself commissions you know things like that and then the public art is where i feel like i'm finally like focusing back on deliberate sort of communication you know by way of by way of art or whatever but so when you're working freelance and you said um you're taking gigs on the side and stuff where do you find those gigs are there sites you subscribe to are there like newspaper postings where do you find things i mean i'm trying to think back you know, before I probably did a lot of sort of like unsolicited sort of legwork, you know, looking for gigs. Really, I feel like any any job I've had, any gig I get is ends up just being word of mouth. It's, it's not fair, but it's true. It's, it's like it's really just who you know to some extent and just kind of falling in for your website, falling in front of the right person. Um, and that's probably a little passive of an attitude. Maybe I'd be further along if I was more aggressive. Who knows? But um, but I'd say like. You know, early on, I was probably sending materials to like different like you know publications and things like that. But I don't know. If that's what really got got me too many gigs. I think it's more just over over time, like meeting people, like oh oh, you need a CD, you know, pack design. Okay, cool. You know, it's just more like word of mouth. That's kind of still the case, to be honest. Like you know, recent painting commissions I've done is more like someone who knew me way back when that reached out, or some friend of a friend of a friend. You know, yeah. I'd say that probably happens more than anything um you know some of it's like not the most exciting work so you know some of it you turn down but yeah. some of it's cool and you're like whatever i need the money i'll do it who cares um so it really depends but i wouldn't say there's like a, a clear sort of way to make that happen besides just being friendly and being open yeah so just the hustle yeah <laughs> over time it gets easier over time is all i can say early 20s is like ah, you know but once you're in your early 30s is like oh, okay Finally, starting to come together, maybe a little bit. <laughs> it takes time, I guess. Okay. So it sounds like you've done a lot of lot of side hustles, lots of different projects. Do you have a favorite or like a most exciting side hustle? <laughs> most exciting side hustle. I like that. Um, just, I just like that sentence. I don't know. Well, right now, I mean, the gig that I have, the project at Rikers right now, is pretty exciting. You know, it's all new to me as far as that facility and and working with with that population and it's that feels pretty exciting because it feels like it freaking matters you know for oh, us. Yeah, like, so much work we yeah. do feels like it doesn't matter and this is like oh, okay so we'll see you know that's still in progress so i'll get back to you on that but you know the ground you know the community mural projects always feel pretty pretty good i mean as far as like things i've done recently that i'm like uh, particularly proud of i would say and this is just because i want to do more more stuff like this you know, I contributed to a street art project that's still up, although there's a couple of tags on it, but it's mainly still there um, on a trailer in East Village. It's a part of the Centrifuge project. And it's a, you know, it's a street art project. And they have, it's kind of like a permanent sort of con construction trailer on that block of, uh, of Lower Manhattan, Lower East Side, East Village area. And, you know, different street artists, you know, propose ideas and, you know, the guys that run it accept this or that. And then you just paint it. And that's cool because, I don't know, I just want to do more stuff like that, to be honest. Just like, you know, my ideas that I make in my own studio put onto the street, you know, in semi-permanent ways. I mean, all this stuff gets painted over eventually. But, like, you know, for a while, people can breeze by it and, you know, see something, not see something, whatever. But at least it's, it's out there and it's not just in a gallery or sitting in a stack of 
paintings in my studio, you know? Yeah. I think murals and public art can really transform a community. I know I feel like I feel differently when I'm driving through a city that has like murals and it immediately brightens the area. Oh, Oh, what is that? Uh Oh, hold on. Okay. Hey, sorry. I I had an alarm (laughs) go off. No problem. Okay, um, so what were we talking about? I was just saying that I think I think murals and public arts are really are really important yeah. because of what it does to the community. Yeah, you instantly like get a feeling that the people that live there love the space that they're in. Right, and, and I like, think that it. sometimes you do have to work from the outside in. Like if you make a town or a city look more beautiful, more vibrant things will happen. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Yeah, I mean, it just gives the community something to kind of get behind. You know, that, you know, a successful piece of public art. You know, people will take ownership of it. You know, they'll they'll be mad if it gets defaced or if they try to take it away or whatever. And if, you know, if people can actually partake in it, you know, if they could actually help paint it, you know, it's like quadruple the, the impact. So it's a sort of like rippling effect of like, you know, if you're involved with the process of it or or get to see it being made. I mean, you know, even when I ask my students uh, at the community college, like public art because i teach you know the subject as well and so they're like yeah you know they'll always talk about like yeah i saw them paint it and blah you know and they're really excited if they like see it happening or can really relate to the content of it because you know it is it's for them and it's not for anyone else there's, there's no you know there's nothing elite about it it's you know accessible to anybody it, it shows that this community exists and that they care you know they care enough to like you know stand behind this mural yeah i mean there's just a million reasons why it's important it's just this like social engagement yeah. at, you know aspect of it that I think is is pretty important and pride in your city for sure 100% yeah makes me think of those um throughout Baltimore there's these benches that say greatest city in America oh gosh yeah they're so funny sometimes (laughs) you see the benches it says like world's greatest city and then there's like trash just like piled up under the bench or there's like like, boards missing on the bench (laughs) like you couldn't actually sit on it it's so good it's hysterical (laughs) yeah man Hey man, they're trying though. They're doing something though. Right, they're trying. They're trying. Even if it's bringing a smile to your face for the wrong reason, hey, you know, it it, it did more than nothing did, right? You know, is is cool. Yeah, I mean, Baltimore's got a great uh, culture of, of murals. You know, it does. We uh, have some really great more murals here. Yeah. Um, okay, so what is like the best piece of advice you've ever received? Like either like you have a super artistic family. So maybe it's from them, maybe from a teacher, but like, is there anything that stuck with you that, that helps you through all your side hustles? Shit, man. Um, I guess I should have one of these queued up probably. Right. I should have one of these in front of my mind. Um, (laughs) we can come back to Um, it if you want, if you want to think on that. Um, Oh, wait, no, I mean, all right, let me think. Let me get back to you. Let me think okay. on that. I, I feel like I have a few things like jostling through my brain, but yeah, let me let me think on that. That's a good one. That'd be a good closer. Okay, anyway. I'll let you think on that. <laughs> so in the meantime, I'm gonna put you on the spot, maybe again, and um, okay. ask you about like how were things when you were basically unemployed, fresh out of college? Because we're that's basically where we are at right now. Like we have little side jobs and we're finding things. We're finding our side hustles. Yeah, we're, we're working on finding them, but, like, mm-hmm. we we like to hear how, basically, like, how long other people struggled before they really found their stride. Right, like, so you graduate from school, what is, like, what did you do the next day? Like, you move, yeah. like, you move to another city, like, lots of people talk about, lots of artists move to New York, mm-hmm. but how did you find somewhere to live? Yeah. How did you find ways to pay rent? Yeah. Oh, awesome question. Um, So, well, I mean, like I said, you know, 2003. Well, here's the thing. The reason why I was able to move to New York City has everything to do with the fact that for the first six months uh, after I graduated, I basically lived with my aunt who lives who at the time lived in Midtown uh, aunt on my on my father's side. And um, was, you know, she's she's an actress as well. Janine, she's awesome. She's very, you know, another influential uh, figure in my life, no doubt. Um, but she was kind enough to uh, let me kind of like have a corner of her living room <laughs> for like six months while I saved some money. And I really had no money. I mean, none. And I was working jobs and I don't know, I was still having a lot of fun. I don't know how I was pulling all this stuff off, but I had some <laughs> like, you know, hourly wage 
and by wage i mean like maybe 11 an hour doing like you know really really crappy jobs i mean i i had a my first job out of, out of college uh paid job so i had an internship but you know that's just like for show you really don't make anything uh but my first paid job was uh for a jewelry box company in sunset park brooklyn which you know is a cool place to go now but in 2003 it was just kind of a little bit more still you know very cool cultural place but the you know this was like dead end industrial block and it was just like the worst job for the worst I mean, without getting too specific just employers were kind of rough um on their employees i mean they were probably kind of nice to me compared to some people but it just you know it just sucked i don't know it was like a rough job and i worked there that whole summer of 2003 and it was funny i was all excited i was like cuz <laughs> I was like all determined to really like walk out on that job, like in a really dramatic and mature way. And, <laughs> yeah. then, there was the, the, and, then, and then there was the, the New York City blackout <laughs> in uh, 2003 in, in August. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll wait a week because like this is kind of <laughs> this is like stealing the thunder of, of, of my walkout. I mean, it's like, this ridiculous like entire Northeast is blacked out for days. Um, so, yeah, so whatever. I quit by then that summer. Luckily, I just quit. I didn't have anything else. I don't know what I was doing, but I quit and then, you know, got ten dollars an hour or something at the internship i was at and then i don't know i just had a bunch of i worked in an art gallery you know for some like upper east side little old you know gallery and that was a little bit of money there and i had like you know i was doing some illustration once in a blue so you know a few hundred would come in once in a while um from that i don't know i kind of scraped that together uh my first apartment was uh you know it's funny because it's in such a posh neighborhood now in brooklyn but it was a real, it was a real dump uh, that that me and my college roommate got. It was what we call a railroad apartment in New York, which means like all the rooms are in a row, so it's okay for like a couple or one person, you know. But like, it's not really great for like you know two, two single women trying to like get their lives together. Um, so you know, whatever that sucked, um, but it was cheap. I, somewhere in there, I started doing art handling, so I was making like fourteen an hour. Oh my god! Uh, so it was like you know, I just kind of scratched my way up doing this and that. I don't know that I did it the right way. I don't know if this is like good advice, but I, I just kind of. I don't of think there is it. a right and, way. I don't think there is, but I just kind of winged it and I was just whatever, having a lot of fun living in New York. Just, that was really the goal more than anything. Just, I want to live in this place and just have a blast. You know, I've been, at, I've been doing that for a while too. So it's good to set other goals, but that, that was kind of part of my agenda. Worked in art handling and that was cool because, you know, I'm still kind of in the industry and meet a lot of other artists, blah, blah, blah. Um, I really liked going out to nightclubs, so I started working for a nightclub, and that's really my only intention. It was all pretty, like, interest-serving at that moment, you know what I mean? But whatever, you know, I knew Photoshop, I knew some stuff, so I could always, like, work a little bit as far as, you know, graphic production and, you know, web production and managing, doing design for, you know, MySpace pages and all that old stuff that that was, like, important at the time. <laughs> it's kind of crazy now, but... Um, I don't know. I was kind of like, you know, inched away. And at a certain point, I was like, I want to be around smart people. I want to like, you know, get her like a real job, like a full time job. So then I worked in at Pratt at, for a full, you know, that was a full time job. And that's really the only full time job I've had, I guess. Yeah. I've, ever since I left that and went to grad school, I've still been kind of just piecing it together. And but, you know, I'm a lot better at it now. I mean, the you know, everything's better now. But it all it all accumulates, I guess. So I feel like even like bad choices you make aren't you know i don't know that'll lead you to something you know obviously you want to try to do the best you can in any given moment but just just follow whatever whim don't do what you think is like the right trajectory because everyone's path is different it's easy to look at other people's stuff and be like oh damn they achieved that way quicker like i don't know those people aren't necessarily happy either they got you know everybody's got problems so you know you gotta just do what feels right in the moment yeah and i think i feel like you're being a little humble because i feel like all of these stories of like all the little things you've done speaks to your resourcefulness and like how you were able to like like you said you pieced it together but you pieced it together doing things that were at least at the very least like mildly interesting nightclub stuff and at the very most like actual art jobs that you were happy yeah. happy to have so i think that yeah. i think you were just being resourceful and the fact that you've stayed in new york for so long yeah. and that lots of new york sometimes chews people up and spits them out <laughs> and people burn out quite oh, yeah no uh, that we we all have like yeah we have a lot of teeth marks on us those who are here we're like we're, we've been chewed like it, we just stayed is all <laughs> i don't know i mean well one other thing i guess i would say that's helped me i guess get out of just working administrative jobs or like limited sort of graphic low end positions is, 
you know, if, if, if you know there's something that you want to do, don't be afraid to, like, give it up for free for a while. And I don't mean, like, give away your goods, but I mean, don't be afraid to, like, apprentice under someone and not, you know, to, like, help on projects and not get paid for it. Because that's really what led me to being able to work for Groundswell. Um, you know, the apprenticeship in Philly helped for sure, but, you know, I basically just, you know, I'd find out about different murals taking place um you know in, in brooklyn or wherever else and just be like hey can i can i help you know or like whatever can i volunteer on a paint day can i you know contribute in this way and you do some of that you know you know it, it looks good on the resume it doesn't matter if you got paid or not but that right. will set you up to get the thing that you actually want to get and i would say that in my 20s um in a way i was a little bit you know I, even though i was really bad with money i was worried about money so i was like hesitant to take like too many in un, unpaid internships which i totally should have taken more of you know what i mean like i kind of probably what could have skipped ahead you know in certain ways by you know not being afraid to like do stuff for free especially earlier on you know what i mean like now like internship i mean i don't know that i would take an internship exactly but but if i had to like volunteer at a particular thing to get me set up for something else i would totally do that you know what i mean yeah you know, i'm really point. glad you said that because i'm definitely in a place where there's lots of, because I'm an actress, so I'm looking for yes. theaters and films to be in. And there's a lot of student films to be in that don't pay. And there's a lot of extra work that pays a little in community theater. And it's easy to get the mentality of like, well, I have a degree now. Like, mm -hmm. shouldn't I be getting paid? But no, I need to build up a resume and I need to build up experience and contacts mm -hmm. to get to those paid jobs. So, yeah. It's like, totally. I, there's definitely like a balance between saying, saying yes to everything and like knowing your self-worth. But I, I mm -hmm. feel like at this point, like saying yes to everything is more important. Right. I mean, I guess I, I would say, say yes, but also, also, I guess the thing about like, if I say yes to this, this hand the ass, whatever it is, you know, production assistant on something that's totally unpaid or, you know, annoying, whatever it is, like or, or something that's very demanding, like. I guess just ask yourself, like, will this get me maybe a little bit closer to, to something that I want, you know? And yeah. if the answer is definitely yes, then like, oh, hell yeah. I mean, it, it sucks, but whatever. You, you'll get paid eventually for these things, you know? Yeah, um, that's a good way that's to check it. definitely in. valuable. But I mean, yeah, don't just be like, oh, well, whatever. Maybe something will come out of this. And, you know, it's hard to anticipate what comes out of anything because you never freaking know. But, you know, if it doesn't feel like a good thing to do, then don't do it. Or also just do what you can manage. Don't. There's also, you know, a consequence to saying yes too much, but, but I guess just don't be afraid to like, be like, oh, well, how much? Uh, it's like, whatever money. I don't know. You know, you need it, but, but I mean, you don't want to just work a job for a while because it pays and then you're not any closer to where you want to go, which, you know, we all have to do sometimes, but I would recommend at least when you're younger and, you know, you probably don't have as many bills or at least whatever, you're you're not afraid to like travel cheaply or live cheaply or whatever like that's a good time to like do the free stuff you know m more than you probably think that'd be one bit of advice i'd give yeah but whatever it, you'll, you'll figure it out it'll be all good man just keep doing it that, you know persistence is most of it because there's so many people out here doing whatever they're doing and it's not like they're like geniuses or the best at it they just kept doing it yeah that's really most of it <laughs> so yeah it's a good yeah, point yeah um so that being said do you have any answers on best advice you have ever received? I mean, you you did just give us a lot of advice, but I'm wondering if there's any like any knowledge from from a wise person that once told you like what mm. oh, man. what's up with the world. Think, think. If not, just make something up. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'll make something up. I mean, it's funny. Like, um, one of my graduate advisors at, at Brooklyn College, Archie Rand. He was another influential character and also an amazing painter, which, you know, all these people that I'm mentioning uh, are, are pretty pretty great, but he's definitely very good. I don't know. He he had various, like, little bits of advice here and there. Like, I mean, the one thing that's not, it's not even really advice, but, like, you know, he kind of instilled the idea that, like, art, art isn't about making, it's about giving. You know, it's basically, like, affection. It's, like, manifested affection, right? Everything that you create, everything you do. I mean, you're doing it for yourself because it feels like something you need to do, but you're giving it to the world. You're like, it's all about giving, you know, and that's just kind of a nice idea. You know, that sounds nice. And I think it's pretty true. And yeah, also, and, and also another thing he said about just like, as far as like, you know, finding content to make art about or just, you know, just kind of clarifying 
maybe your creative goals, you know, most of the art, you know, good, not good art, I shouldn't say good art, but you know, the, some of the great art that we consider great is really just kind of a combination of just like a rational, like memory and affection against this word affection keeps kind of cropping up. And I think just kind of digging into like whatever, like nutty part of yourself that is just really passionate about, you know, whatever, like just go in there. I mean, you know, do other stuff too, you know, but like, but really like pay attention to that weird sort of obsession you've had since since you were young or or something that just kind of keeps resurfacing it, it doesn't have to make sense but um i think just like digging in and just going hard on whatever you think speaks to you versus trying to make something that makes sense to the world that already exists you know what i mean like try to not have a trajectory but just kind of like this idea of like dig, you know aiming low and digging in instead of like you know shooting high trying to hit something that makes sense but yeah just kind of yeah so, a sort of advice there yeah but yeah kind of go with what what you already have you have a lot to you, there's a well of, of stuff that all of us have that we can dig into so obviously be perceptive of everything around you but don't be afraid to kind of really dig into the sort of nutty irrational uh, affection you have for whatever whatever that is you know what i mean yeah that's that's lovely okay so we <laughs> we have to wrap soon but i want to know like what's next for you what are your goals dreams whatever Oh man, I want a vacation, man. I just want to like take some time off. I'm ready to retire. No, um, I've just been working a lot lately, so I'm like kind of cranky most of the time. Hopefully, not too much on on tape right now. But you know, take some time off, chill out, have fun. No, um, but I guess like just more like public art projects. Um, you know, this year I intend on doing you know more things with with Groundswell with the organization. You know, I've been teaching a lot. I'm kind of excited to teach a little bit less as far as in the classroom, just because it is so exhausting. And just kind of work on, you know, situating myself so I can get like more independent mural projects as well as just public art projects in general. I mean, I'd love to to like, you know, design, you know, the the mosaics or murals in the next, you know, subway station or something like that. Or like, you know, like a larger sort of like municipal like public art projects, which is like a whole nother political beast in of itself. But like that, that would be dope. You know, I really want to kind of move in that direction and also keep on with like the teaching artists you know community mural tip as well new york philly reading definitely want to do some things uh in, in my home city even more so you know definitely i mean a lot i have a lot of ideas of things to do there and i just need to get off my ass and make that happen because you know <laughs> there's that I, I i also fight the urge to be really lazy so i i go through work benders and then try to like chill out and like recoup and yeah i don't know hopefully hopefully a lot of art once I'm done with uh, some of the classes I'm teaching now, just keep at it and keep traveling and listening to music and doing the thing we do, you know, doing all the fun things and, and trying to channel it out in a, in a way that, you know, feels useful. And, and like I said, the, the public art is a nice balance to just my own studio work. Cause, you know, I paint in my studio. That's like the main, my main thing, I guess, um, throughout the years. But at least the public art, you feel like you're kind of doing something good. So, you know, keep pursuing both of those would be the goal and just making it bigger and bigger projects and you know more money would be nice but that's you know if or when that comes that's cool you know yeah awesome sounds great okay uh we gotta wrap but do you wanna do you wanna plug anything do you instagram website whatever your stuff grounds well yeah i mean i'll plug i guess i'll plug me and my website um i don't i don't really have any other big projects or shows to speak of but uh, if you want to check out my website it is juliacocuza.com so that's j-u-l-i-a-c-o-c-u-z-z-a.com my instagram is kuzagram is on the cornball but whatever it's c-u-z-z-a gram g-r-a-m you know facebook uh julia kakuza art um is the handle on that twitter is just julia kakuza um so you know i'm always posting different projects i'm working on whether they're public works or just you know weird stuff in my studio and i'm hoping to do you know another goal of mine is to kind of because i do a lot of artwork about music i kind of want to move back into music a little bit so maybe i'll start posting you know some like dj mixes and other goofy stuff that i do um as well but you know that's it really keep an eye out on, on the social media and website i'll keep that keep that tight if people want to check it out Awesome. awesome. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. yeah thank you so much, Julia. You have said yeah, many yeah. great things and I'm very excited. No, thank you. Thanks for having me, man. I don't know. I, I'm really tempted to just talk in like a, like a jazz radio voice this whole time. I've been like fighting the urge to like have <laughs> that like nice pacing. I think maybe that's what I should have done with my life. I don't know. Um, 
There's still time. There's still time. Never too late. Seriously, thank you. I I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Julia. You have a great night. You too. And as always, I am Allie Press. You can find me at alliepress.net or as Daughter Pick on all social media platforms. That's at D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-P-I-C-K. And I'm Emily Luking. I have a website. It's emilyluking.com. And my Instagram is at emily.luking. Luking is L-U-K-I-N-G. Follow me if you want to see my work. Thanks for listening. We love you. And we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any questions, comments, things you'd like us to talk about, suggestions for guests, you can reach us at thehungryartistspodcast at gmail.com. See ya. Uh. <laughs> it's just Never mind. Laugh. First episode, great. Second episode, even better. Third episode breaks me. <laughs> When I was working auditions, and they were like, so why aren't you auditioning? You would be really good for this. Well, first of all, that's also part of it, because they were, like, sitting there telling me that I'd be great for this role. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I would? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you're super talented, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, and I was like, well, you know, she's kind of a bitch, which I know would be kind of a stretch for you. And I was like, oh, honey. <laughs> no, I can handle that. No, I think that will be fine. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I'm like, you haven't told me that long. You have no idea. <laughs> I can be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea the beast that I crush inside. <laughs> People don't know how hard I work to not be a shitty person. <laughs> you don't know. I think Anna knows. Oh, I think, I think, I mean, I think you guys know. I think I know. I think I know. I think Anna knows. Anna's known me a long time. Yes. And we weren't always friends. (laughs)